All right. Welcome, everybody. It is again Monday night, and I am so excited here because this is a new year. And last year, 2016, was amazing. It was an amazing year for me, and it was an amazing year for so many people. And I know there's a lot of you here that are thinking, whew, thank God 2016 is over, and I'm here in 2017 with great excitement. So I just want to welcome all of you, and I'm so thrilled that you're here. I am Jen Springer, and I am Young Living Platinum, and I've been with the company since 2001, and now we're in 2017. And it's amazing to me, because I never thought in a million years that I would be doing something for this long and still loving it, right? Because most of us in our corporate lives or wherever we were working for somebody else, I was miserable. I was looking for something that I could be myself and I could help people and that I would never get bored and I would love to do. And Young Living came along. It was like the universe heard my, you know, my question and, and said, what could I do? And I got that reply. And I just... I just absolutely love this business because we can help people with whatever angle of their life that they're feeling they need support in, whether it's emotional, emotional trials and tribulations, or it could be maybe they need some extra money and they want to start a business. They've got that opportunity. Or maybe they just want to feel great and don't slump and take a nap at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. We can offer that. You can work with animals. You can work with children. You can work with anything that you want. I had one person in my team that was working with motocross riders, you know, building their business that way. And you can do whatever you want, and that's what makes it fun and enjoyable as a business. So this year I know is going to be a breakthrough year for so many of you. And so many of you are going to realize your dreams and your goals. And starting with this call that we're going to do today, it's very, um, very important, and you'll understand in a little bit. And just for those of you, I know a whole bunch of you pile in a little bit later, but for those that are here right now, I uh, want to let you know we're going to do some Q&A at the end. So Jesse's going to answer some questions. But a couple news things before we get started. Uh, Diamond Factory Training is on sale $40 off until Sunday. Um, that is not the system with the websites and the contact manager. It is the training that has all the modules on how to do different things, you know, website, um, sorry, uh, inter introduction to social media ads. It has the expos and trade shows and annual trends and all that, you know, beginning leadership stuff. It's great for people who have been in the business. So senior Senior stars, executives, and silvers. It's really perfect for you. And so that's why we created it. But it's on sale 40 bucks off. It's $97 lifetime access till Sunday. And then for those of you that haven't seen it, <clears throat> we've been asked this question for years. Where can we get a simple message that will talk a little bit about the business for our prospects, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And we released one last week that is a free tool that anybody can use. Uh, anybody, any of you can use this, whether you're a subscriber to Diamond Factory System or not, you can use this tool and you, let your teams use this tool. It's a simple message about the business. Uh, Tom and Kim Challen did it for us. Um, it's checkusoutnow.com. Very simple. You can use it in your presentations. You can use it when you're prospecting. If you're doing phone prospecting, whatever you're doing, um, check us out now.com. It's less than 10 minutes, and you can share away with that. It's a free tool that you can use, uh, brought to you by the Diamond Factory System, because I know that so many of you have been stuck for so many years with that. And we'll have other ones coming in the future, but that one is done, and you can use it. 
So there's that. No, uh, January 9th, the Sleek Challenge is starting, so get your rallies up for that. And we're going to be releasing a Sleek uh, funnel for the Diamond Factory system this week. So if you're in Diamond Factory system, you will have that available to you in about a week. And let's go into the specials for this month. Now, for the 100 PV Essential Rewards, you get the 5 mil of Citrus Fresh. Um, at 190, you get Citrus Fresh plus 5 mils of Basil Vitality, 15 mil Eucalyptus Globulus. Um, that one is at the 190. At the 250, add on the Joy Oil. And at 300, here's your peace and calming, everybody. At 300 PV, you get 5 mil of peace and calming. And my other most favorite oil outside of Melissa oil, which is Hilichrism, which is the Swiss Army knife oil of everything. I think it's right there with lavender, in my opinion. But, of course, it costs a little more than lavender. So there is your specials for this month, which are fantastic. So tonight is the Monday night call. If you want to hear the recordings, there's two different places you can hear them. You can go to diamondfactorytraining.com, get your free membership there, and you've got access to everything. You can download everything right there on your iPhones or your you know, iTunes. If you've got podcasts you know, on the apps, you can uh, look for Diamond Factory, and you'll see all the calls right there. Just subscribe to our podcast and we have that available for you. And if you're new to us and you want to get on our email list, go to OurSimpleTraining.com, put in your email, and then you are on our weekly email list. Ooh, that's a lot. All right, so like I said, stick on. For those of you who just came on, stick on to the end because Jesse's going to answer some questions for a little bit after we're done with our interview, and you're going to want to take advantage of that. That's all I have to say. So on tonight's call, we have a very special guest. I am so excited, and, and I saved him for this particular call to kick off the new year because I knew what he does would help you. And I met Jesse last fall at a mastermind networking conference for Internet marketing, and I talked to him because I was going through some personal things. I was going through some things where I was having some uh, issues with anxiety about traveling and anxiety with being up in high places or in close places. And as I got to know Jesse throughout the weekend, I learned what he did. He helps people break through their crap. I mean, for lack of a better term, if you got junk in your trunk, he can help you break through into greatness no matter what you do, whether you're an entrepreneur, you're an athlete, you're a mom that's stuck, you've got work-life balance issues, whatever's going on, he has incredible tools and he is very highly trained and skilled in what he does. He works with celebrities and athletes, and even Fortune 500 companies have consulted with him. And I thought, of course, I could, I could see all that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, dude, like, can you help me with my problem? Because I'm like, I got this huge, big old you know, problem of mine. And so he worked with me there just for about 15 minutes you know, when we were in Vegas on some basic things. And um, let's just say that some of the, the issues I had when I would get ready to travel, I would get anxious. You know, I'd get sweaty palms and like the night before I couldn't sleep and I would fret and I'd wake up just all jittery and, and weird, you know, when I would get ready to travel. And the exercise he put me through, that has stopped. And that's been since September. We traveled all fall. Every weekend, Monty and I were gone. And then the other thing was, is I was having issues with um, being in high places. And, you know, we were in the Aria Hotel, which is really tall. 
And so I was a little concerned the first day or so, like we were kind of, I don't even remember what floor we were on, but then we went to, um, after we did this exercise, I went up to the 67th floor, or 63rd floor, I'm sorry, and then I looked down and I was fine. I didn't get weird or wacky or claustrophobic like I normally would. So that right there told me, oh my gosh, I really have to keep in contact with this guy and bring him to you because we all have stuff like that. You know, like in your business, maybe you're sponsoring like crazy, but maybe you have an issue like me that's keeping you from traveling to go see your team. <laughs> I mean, it could be like that, you guys, or it could be like, why are you, you know, not attracting the types of people that ever order again? We're going to get into that in here in just a minute. but. I want to say this is a very special call, and the fact that we've got Jesse on this call is huge, you guys. His schedule is tight, he's packed, he's in high demand, and he's here to take an hour with you. So welcome, Jesse, to the call. I am really excited you're here, and you're taking time to help all these people tonight. Thank you so much, Jen, for having me. It's an honor to be here. I know they're waiting. They're waiting for all the good information. I saw a lot of the posts and the buzz that was happening before this call, and I'm like, okay, this is going to be really good. And uh, I'm really thrilled for the people that are listening live or you're listening to this recording. Um, you're going to get some extreme, extreme value. So, Jesse, we want to tell everybody what you're up to right now. Like, what are you doing, um, and your areas of you know, focus and passion of what you love to do with entrepreneurs and, and helping people break into their greatness and loving their life. Yeah, so I've, I've always been for the longest time fascinated by people, our behaviors, our thought patterns, our emotions, and, and figuring out like what <clears throat> the fundamental keys are for success with people, and whether it's financial success, it's success in relationship, it's success in your health, it's success in just your your own mindset and your, your and domain over your emotions. And what I've really been focused on is figuring out what is the, the fastest, most efficient and effective way to help someone get from wherever they are to wherever they want to be and then have that change be a permanent change. So mm -hmm. I could get, you know, like you, you mentioned before, when we were in the ARIA at first, I remember, Jen, you wouldn't even go near the window in the 17th floor. And then all of a sudden, you're up on the 63rd floor or whatever it is afterwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, I, I, yep. and I think that's just it's so powerful because so many of us live with some sort of limiting belief or limitation or fear of something that holds us back in life. And it, whether it's, it's keeping us from going to the top of a building or it's keeping us from being able to excel and, and take our businesses or our relationships or whatever that is to the next level – I really want to help, and that's where my main focus is, is helping people get unstuck, get them to be a master of their mindset and their emotions, and get them from wherever they are to wherever it is they want to be. Mm. And you do, you work with all types of people, don't you? I mean, it doesn't, there's, it's like, um, how do you want to say this? You, you work with people that are basically, um, looking to be better. I mean, there's no specific group that you're focusing on, but, you know, is there, or is there, or maybe I'm wrong, is there a specific type of person you work with, or are you just like, hey, I'm the dude that can help you if you're looking to break through and be awesome? Yeah, so great question. I did a webinar on Sunday morning, and I had people on there from 22 different countries. I think the youngest one that I know of that was on there was about 19. I think the oldest one that I know of was on there was, in their late 60s. 
uh, in that it was probably made up of, I would say, 70% female, 30% male. The audience was anywhere from, you know, entrepreneur, business owners. I know there was a few couple doctors on there. There was at least one attorney on there, a, a, somebody who's in their PhD program for, for psychology, another one who's a PhD program for their therapist, and then everybody else in between. So I do have a, a fairly large variety of people I work with in my day-to-day life, and honestly, that's, that's my, own selfish, my own selfishness. I, I love people so much, and I'm fascinated so much by the human condition, and when you start to understand mindset, emotions, and the principles around them, you understand that too, that they, there's a cross-application to them, right? So a lot of the strategies I teach, a lot of the techniques I teach to people, whether they're in Hollywood or whether they're in a CEO of a big company, it, it's applicable to anybody in any working through any aspect of their life. You just change the languaging around with them, but the principles are still the same. Mm-hmm. Do you find that most, you know, it, it, you just kind of said it, I want to make sure that this is correct, that mm-hmm. all these people can come from various backgrounds, but do you find that what limits us, like in my business, you know, we, we think we're so unique, but what really keeps us from breaking through and thriving and growing a massive business can be something is in a mindset. Do you find that those, um, that there's a thread of commonality between the things that get us stuck, uh, no matter what industry, business, what, where we're coming from, is there a thread of commonality between all that, all those different types of people that keep them stuck? Yeah, definitely. I think, I, I think that tragically for most people, they are blinded to the fact that inaction is an action of itself. Mm. And so what will happen is, is we get a few things. We have our fears, we have our limiting beliefs up that come up, whatever they may be. The fear that I can't, the fear of failure, the fear that what if I can't, what if I'm not good enough, what if I'm not lovable, the belief that it works for everybody else but not me, that I'm the exception, not the rule, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All of us, all of us know that dialogue that goes through our head. And why we spend time trying to rationalize it, justify it, you know, figure it out, make excuses for it, whatever that is, explain it, we are essentially sinking into the proverbial quicksand, mm-hmm. right? You don't sink into the quicksand if you quickly move over it. You sink into it when you get stuck in it, mm-hmm. and then you keep going down. It's like we all of a sudden fill our, sh- our shoes with cement, and it creates this inability for us to move, which is why I say inaction is the action most choose. People think that if they do nothing, then they're doing nothing. Well, that's not true. It's actually making a choice of an action. You're not taking action to move forward or sideways or anything else. You're choosing to stay where you are. And once the shoes, they, you know, the saying goes is if you're going to fall, fall forward. Once you have cement in your shoes, though, and you're unable to move, you don't necessarily have gravity working with you. In fact, gravity is working against you, right? Biomechanically, our knees bend at a 90-degree angle, and so they're not meant to go forward because they hyperextend, but if we fall backwards, our knees can bend and support that angle, right? That's biomechanically, that's the most effective way for us to fall backwards when we're stuck. Mm -hmm. So the analogy being that once we end up being stuck, 
it's, it's almost upon us to where we fall backwards, which is why so many people will feel like they're just never getting ahead. They're never, they're never making advancements because they have, they've cemented their shoes to the ground. They've chosen actions and actions and have allowed their fears, their limiting beliefs to overrun and overpopulate those voices inside their head. They're screaming and they're taking them literally, right? Which if we look at and examine any of those voices, each voice always has layers to it. And see, most of us never get to the layers. We always get to just the voice. It's kind of like you go up to a, a garden, and if you go to prune your garden, and you just chop off the top of the weed. The garden looks great, but the weed's still growing because the roots are there. And eventually, within a couple days, a week, whatever it is, that weed's going to show back up. And this time, it brings a couple friends to the party too. <laughs> you know, I do... I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking of so many things as you're saying this. Can people not even realize they have those layers? Like, you know, they may think, I can't uh, sponsor anybody, or I've had all this training and this doesn't work. Do, they, do most people even realize when they're stuck that there are those layers and that there's even a dialogue spinning in the background, whispering in their ear? That, are they even aware of it most of the time, or is it something that they're just going through and they don't even realize what's happening? Yeah, I think that's a great question, Jen. And I think that for the majority of us, we're unaware of that. We, we're, we've gotten so trained to take that voice in our head literally. Mm. And most of us, no matter how much training we have, occupationally, career, as parents, whatever it is, no matter how much training we've had, most of us have not been trained in being detectives. And so for most of us, we stop and we take things literally. We hear that voice that says, you know, my, my downline is not motivated. We hear that voice that says, you know, I, I just, I can't, I can't get people on board. We hear that voice that says, you know, maybe this just isn't for me. Or we hear that voice that says it was, it was silly for me to, to believe that I could, you know, work for myself and be able to work from wherever I want to work in the world. Right? We hear that voice that says, well, you know, Jen was able to do it, but she's got, you know, a personality that's different than mine. So it would work for her, not them. And I think most of us, and see, we'll, we'll say that in a literal interpretation, and we just take it as is. We don't ever stop to look at the layers. Just the same as most of us think that if we chop the top of the weed off, well, that's it, we killed it. Mm. Because we don't see that which is going in. But if you imagine a seed, just like with anything all layers have growth to them, right? There's a seed that was planted once upon a time, and anybody who's ever done any sort of gardening or been around a garden or seen it in a garden knows that what you see growing isn't where it first starts, right? The seed goes underground. You don't see it for a long time. You plant it, you water it, you do it faithfully over and over again with the expectation of something eventually going to bloom. But the roots are always growing, and there's always going to be layers to everything. And so for most of us, we just, yeah, we, we, never, we never get to those layers because we're so fixated off of what we take as a literal interpretation. And so we're, we're, and once we get on that, it's like we put the proverbial blinders on and we can see nothing but that. And our reality starts to bend and distort to make that which we're interpreting literally our actual physical reality, right? You focus on anything and boy, you're going to be able to find a ton of evidence for it. So if you decide that, you know, your downline is not motivated or you decide that you're just, you for whatever reason 
are the most unlucky person when it comes to enrolling people. Boy, you could pull up a ton of examples for that. You could find a ton of evidence for it, right? We will, we will pick apart and put that stuff in and filter it into our lives to help make our story stay true. Wow. That was like epic quote right there we could take from you. <laughs> so like if, you know, if these beliefs, you know, with these deep roots and these layers that have keep, you know, some people, and I know from my own team because I've been in this business since 2001, some people I've heard the same song and the same broken record from people for over a decade, and I'm sure they've had that mm-hmm. same broken record for decades. Can that be liberated and the root pulled out easily or does it take like a long time to go through and go through and through to pull that thing out what has been your experience with that yeah it, yes definitely and it depends on the person so i i think that each root can be pulled out as quickly as somebody who has had you know a challenge with heights could go from being afraid to go near the window in the 17th floor to run up to the 63rd floor two minutes later and be totally fine mm-hmm I know that. Right? So, yeah. <laughs> so yep. we, know that, we know that change can happen very quickly and it can happen and it can be permanent. The challenges and the reason why it says it depends on the person is the challenges on the person. A lot of times people are so married and committed to their story of why they can't that they're not willing to start to subscribe to another story of why they can. Mm. That was another quote we can make for you for, for infographic. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, uh, and you, just to give you a little, like, a little scientific evidence, too, there was a study I was reading about in the MBA program at one of the more accredited universities here in the States. And what, they, what the researchers did is they took these MBA students and they divided them into three groups. The first group was given a, a report in only with bullet points, just data points. Right? If this happens, this is what our bottom line is going to look like. This is what our, our conversion percentage will look like. This is you know, all those types of things. The second group was given the same data, but it was translated into uh, like a pie chart, so charts and graphs and whatnot, a little bit more visually appealing, a little bit more visually stimulating. And the third group was presented the exact same data, but they are presented in story form. So it was told in a narrative. It was... It was it was the, the same data was there, but it was intertwined with words and descriptions, kind of like a, a, any sort of fairy tale that we've all heard and read. And what the researchers found was quite shocking. Even with the MBA students, they, the, the data was met with more pessimism. They were less inclined to believe it when it was just told in facts and figures or in charts and graphs. But when it was told with a story, they were far more inclined to believe it, and they were far more willing to accept it basically as the gospel. See, most of us, that's why we, we get so attached to our stories, because story gives, it gives our limiting beliefs power. Story is what makes it to be true. Most people aren't going to just say, I can't enroll people. Most people aren't going to just say, it's impossible for me to enroll people. Most people are going to say, I can't enroll people because... Yes. And that's the story. I'm not right? a good leader because I'm, I can't sponsor exactly. because I could never do I – have, I have, there's always like this big 25,000-pound weight attached to that. Yes. The story. Yep, absolutely. And that weight gets heavier over time because we have to, 
the longer we tell a story, the longer a story perpetuates, the more, the more description, the more detail we have to get into it. It becomes a fish story, right? The same fish that we caught the day before that was only six inches long, after six years, it's become 16 and a half feet. <laughs> well, wait, you're telling me you pulled a 16 and a half foot fish out of a three foot standing water? Oh, yeah, and it was a big one, and I fought with it for hours. <laughs> oh, it's funny. But for all the hunters, it was a it was a four point uh, buck. It went to a twenty yeah. point buck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, this is so awesome. Yeah, and in the, these yeah these stories, they they just um, like there's a romantic affair that happens with them, and there's always. You know, when I do, um, when I when I talk to with you know my own team or people that are not in my own team, and I, I check in with them, and there's there's often all this stuff. You know, I didn't get to do that this week because dot dot dot, or well, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to start Monday. You know, and then they're always projecting into the future, like I'm going to start this time. I'm going to start after after the holidays or I'm going to start after the kids get out of school. I'm going to start after the kids go in school. I mean, there's always like this putting it into yes. the future thing too. That happens a lot. Yep. Oh my yeah, God. And you, funny. you articulated it perfectly. Jen. It's, it's, there's a romanticized story that's told. It, it really is. It becomes almost this romanticized story that people will tell about why they can't. And my question is always to people is, God, what would happen if you told a love story about why you could? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes. Whew, that's heavy. That's definitely a good one. You know, I think that in, in any business, but I know especially this business, one of, I think, the worst words that people could say, the four-letter words of all, is the word busy. Um, mm-hmm. they, when they say, I'm so busy, I'm, you know, it, w- no matter whether it's the reason they're doing things or they're not doing things, um, that becomes, there's a huge um, romanticism around that. It's, it's, a, it's such a huge lie that people tell themselves for the reason why they're, they're not doing things is the word busy. And it's a four-letter word yes. on top of it. I don't, I don't even use that word. I hate that word. I don't even use it. For me, I'll use the other cusses for first, which I won't say. But, you know, I do not say the B word. Mm-mm. No, no, not allowed in my house. <laughs> That's a great one. Yeah, I even say the B word, the B word, the C word, and then the yep. T word, tired. Oh, tired, can't, and busy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because tired, tired, tired is one of those ones, too. It's, it's a brainwashing phrase, right? Every single one of us, if we're being really honest, has likely said, oh, I'm too tired. Most of the people on here are probably wanting to do this because they're so sick and tired of waking up feeling tired about going to a job maybe they don't necessarily like going to. And they're, they're tired of being exhausted in life. But we yeah. condition ourselves so much to describe our lives as being tired that we go into a mindset of it. Now, the, the reality, the truth of it is, is a few things. One, if we took it to extremes, if I hold, held a gun to your head, you're sure shit not going to be tired. Two, yeah. if I called you up and said, hey, you have a lot of ticket. Can you get the energy to be here in five minutes? Boy, we're wide awake. <laughs> right. That, I see that though. I really do. And we can change. I don't know about you, but I, well, I know you. I mean, you guys. This you, you have to share in a second here, like your yeah. how you've trained yourself about this tired thing. Jesse's got the whole sleeping thing, like and totally like nailed down, you guys. <laughs> but the 
you know, you can turn around tired almost instantly when you change your mindset, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And you can, you can spiral out of control with tired, too, even feeling physically tired. You know, I, I, some days if I don't feel right, I'm like, is it me? Is it my mindset? And I'll often just put some nice clothes on, put some makeup on, go outside, go for a walk, or we'll go out and run errands or something. And I, to- I feel totally different when I was, quote, tired or not yeah, exactly. totally right. Uh, but do you want to share real quick with everybody a little bit about how you have mastered this, your energy and your awake and sleeping <laughs> to maximize your, um, your productivity? Because <laughs> you you're always doing things. You're living your life. I mean, you're traveling. You're going places. You're meeting with people. You're, you're seeing the world, and there ain't no time for 12-hour naps. <laughs> yeah. So what Jen's talking about is, you know, when you go, you go to the meeting type things, there's always, like, side conversations about, people's quirks or habits and whatnot. And one of the things that came up at ours is we're talking about my sleeping because I, for years, I was one who I used to, so I was raised with the, with the belief system that my mom's mom, my grandma had, my, had insomnia. My mom had insomnia. My aunt had insomnia. And so I, would, I, would, I, I might have insomnia too. And so for a long time, for most of my teenage and early adult life, I would struggle with sleeping. I would wake up in the middle of the night. I would go through the whole stress thing that most of us do, thinking about the bills, thinking about the worries, all those types of things. I would go to sleep literally at night. This would be the dialogue I used to say to the girl I was dating at the time that I need to go to bed now because I need to get eight hours of sleep because if I don't get eight hours of sleep, I'm going to wake up tired. And it would drive me crazy because I would wake up and I remember one day saying out loud, I cannot remember the last time I woke up feeling rested hmm. and it was just, it was, it was unacceptable to me because then I would hear stories about people who were able to sleep less, able to get more done, be able to energize. And then what really kind of pushed my last button of this tired game was reading the, the study that was saying that the average human has enough energy potential inside of them to light a city like the size of Los Angeles for, I don't know how long it was, years. So we literally have that much energy inside of us that's the equivalent of like however many nuclear bombs, but then I'm going to be tired because I'm sleeping eight hours and it's not enough. Like there was just something that didn't make sense about that whole thing with me. And so I started to train myself and started studying and started to train myself about it and learn how to go get into a deeper sleep much quicker. I used to be the lightest sleeper. I used to not be able to sleep with any light on, any noise, anything like that. With time, now I can... I mean, I can fall asleep within literally 30 seconds of my head hitting the pillow. I can sleep through any sort of noise. I can sleep with the light on. I can sleep soundly through the night. When I sleep, I go into a really deep sleep. And as a result, I went from my average was probably eight hours of sleep, to now it's probably closer to about five hours and 45 minutes. If I'm away on a training like when I first met Jen and Monty, I could sleep for, you know, I'll usually run on about four hours, four hours and 15 minutes and be totally engaged with that. Like wake up fully refreshed, engaged, and I could do that for, you know, four or five days. And then I have one day that I call my recharge day where I'll sleep for maybe six and a half hours. That's amazing. But it's also what you what you've told yourself and how you've trained yourself. Because if you say, if I don't have, and this goes for any, this is an example we're telling everybody, you guys, because it's what we tell ourselves. He was telling himself, I am going to be tired if there was a condition yep. attached. 
And so like yep. you changed that whole thing and now it's a completely different story. You've changed your story. And so we can all change our stories and our, our junk in our trunk, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, like, I love what you said. Get the junk out of the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> it's too heavy, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's what uh, you know. That's what we're here. That's this business is a business of transformation, you know. And I see, you know, been in it a long time, and I see people who totally transform because they're ready, they're eager, they're humble, they're coachable, they're ready to be um, brought into their greatness. And then there's other people that I've seen great people who keep telling themselves these stories about why they can't or why they're so busy, or they always, they have these conditions they've told themselves that his, and I can see it now, especially now, like when I first started, I didn't see it, but now I can have a few minute conversation with somebody and I know right where they're at or where they're going to go with that mentality that they have at that moment and it's like i I can tell it's like oh man Mm -hmm. you know they're they're not going to make it if unless they don't change this or i can listen to somebody and i could hear that spark in their voice and see it in their eyes if i'm face to face and i know if they have it or not and yeah it's crazy so let's get into some of the things that keep people some of these stories that people tell themselves um, so that we can, you know, get some of your perspective on this and, you know, maybe a little bit of how they can break through. Um, one of the things that happens a lot is that people, when they're talking to people, the person will often say, no, I'm not interested in the product. I'm not interested in the business. I'm not interested in what you're doing. Does, are, they, is, are they hearing no correctly or is there something else that they could hear differently about that when does no always mean no? Yeah, that's a great question. And the answer is no, no does not always mean no. In fact, what, we've, what has been detailed is, and I, please forgive me because the, the group who did the studies has escaped my mind right now. It'll come back a little bit later. But there was a study done, and what they found was that 96% of people in sales give up after the first no. And that over 65% of sales happen after the fourth no. So what the study concluded was that 96% of people who are doing any sort of sales are missing out on a minimum 65% of the opportunities because they're not willing to keep asking. Right? That alone is wow. <laughs> so everybody out there who has listened to a no and, and given up after that first no if you've done that 10 times, statistically what it's shown is probably six of those people would have eventually said yes. Maybe not on that initial call, but with follow-up, with representing it, with overcoming objections, whatever that is. No, you, there's 60% of the cash that's out there has been left on the table because we take no and we hear it literally. I, I used to be really fearful of no and sales, and I wanted to... I wanted to take my business to the next level, and I also wanted to be able to teach sales to people. So when I really started diving into sales psychology and stuff, one of the things I trained myself is that I don't believe a sales conversation even starts until I hear the first no. Mm. That's when I'm actually now going into and doing the process of it. And when I hear no, I don't hear no, I hear now. And what I mean by that is if I'm presenting somebody 
with a product or service. So typically what I'll be presenting people with is I'm teaching them something. So I'm presenting them with solutions or I'm doing a coaching program with them. So I'm presenting with solutions, strategies to help them get from wherever they are to wherever they want to be. If I'm presenting to a company, I'm teaching them sales strategy, sales psychology, right? Teaching them how to get, again, from wherever they are to wherever they want to be. So why I hear now is because for me, I'm presenting things that I believe in 100%. Right? I know my stuff works. I know I'm good at what I do. I know that I can help anybody who hops on the phone with me get from where they are to wherever they want to be. I understand that when they say no, that is their own fear voice, mm-hmm. their own limiting belief, their insecurity coming up. If they're there and they want my help, but they're fearful of for whatever reason, maybe they're thinking it's too much or they won't have time or the, you know, the same stories we all tell ourselves. I hear now because for me that means that this is my first opportunity to step up and show them how committed I am to getting them the results they want. Mm. See, if you're coming to somebody and you have a product, a service that you believe in, and you truly believe it's going to help them, but you take no, the first no as just no, and you walk away, that to me doesn't say that they're not interested. What it tells me is that you're not committed to getting them the results. Mm. And that's why it has to be now because that is your time to demonstrate your level of conviction behind it, how much you're going to be there to support them, to step up for them. I cannot tell you how many people, in, especially in the coaching dynamic, because you know, people's junk is going to come up. Their stuff's coming up. That if I would have said, if I would have taken no, I mean, you know, tens of thousands of dollars would have been left on the table. And most importantly, hundreds of people's lives would not have been able to have been changed because I would have just walked away. Every single one of those people that I heard no, and then I turned it to a now and went through the process with them, went through the objections, went through it, worked through it, and they ended up signing up. Each one of them, and a majority of them were going to be cost. Oh, it's too much. It's too expensive. Every single one of them afterwards will send me an email, will write to me something saying it was the best decision they ever made. And not one of them after they do it ever says, gosh, I wish I wouldn't have spent that money. Wow. So no means now, and now is your time to step up and demonstrate what level of conviction you have in your product and service, and most importantly, what level of conviction you have in yourself and your ability to help, your ability to serve, your ability to deliver value to the people that are in front of you. Mm. Wow. You guys, that alone... I'm sure there are phones that have been dropped, jaws hitting tables, eyeballs popping out of people's heads just from that. I'm serious. I'm like taking notes over here. I'm like, you can probably hear my computer. I'm like making notes. Oh, my gosh. That is huge. Whew. I've seen you do a little objection training that you shared with our own personal group that we work with, and it was fantastic, um, you know, how to work through objections and to – Uh, work with people through that because really when people say no it's fear and I know for my own self if I am approached by a salesperson I'll tell them no just so I can step back get the facts and make a decision without being pressured do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. or like you know pulled in you know even like if I'm looking at cars or I'm looking at I'm the easiest person actually to sell to but like I'll just say no I'm just looking or no I'm just you know, I'll just so I can be like checking things out and observing before I actually go in and do, you know, 
whatever it is I'm going to do and whatever I'm looking at buying or whatever I'm looking to get into. Yeah, so. that training I think you watched too, Jen. What's really cool about that is that guy who was running through that process, he, we had gone through a few of the objections. He got to the point where he was trying to see if I could discount it. And so he, had, he was trying to discount, discount, discount. I went through it so well with him that when we circled back around to finally making the decision, he brought the, the payment back up to the initial value of it. I didn't even have to say anything. He was already prompted with it. <laughs> he, oh so he God. closed himself on doing the full amount, and he forgot all about him trying to negotiate it down. <laughs> I love that. It's so funny. <laughs> now, do you find that belief, that per, a person's belief in themselves or whether they can do it, or believing in the company or that they're worth it. Are these all different root causes or are they all one, this belief issue that causes paralysis and failure or flatlining or, you know, I mean, I see the craziest things happen, even that get to a certain point in their success and then weird, unbelievable things happen to people. Is, is it all the same root with this belief thing or are all these separate root, you know, literally like, you know, weed roots to pull out with these belief issues? Yeah, that's a great question. And with beliefs, it's kind of like, you know, imagine that if we have a, a big cooking pot and on the, on the menu tonight for supper is going to be stew. And we look at our shelves and our ingredients list just happens to be our beliefs. And not, not just our beliefs, but most, more specifically, the things that we choose to attach our beliefs to. So I think to your point that most of the roots of them will be intertwined and entangled. But it depends what ingredients we pull off our shelf on any given day at any given night are going to be what we put in our stew. And sometimes that stew is going to be a belief about self, you know, I'm just not good at sales. I'm just not able to. I don't have what it takes to be a leader. Sometimes when somebody is feeling a little bit more forgiving of self, they might shift it off to a company. It's not me. It's the company. You know, they just, they, they just want me to push sales too much. They're just all about sales. I mean, a lot of us will use that when we try to blame the company. They're just, they're, their values, their mission is not in alignment with mine. And then I think, again, when we look at the roots being intertwined, when we look at the ingredients being all still, they're still all going into the stew. The ingredients still all go into the stew. The weeds, the roots still all intertwine into one central place, and that's typically going to boil down to two fundamental things. Kind of what if I can't? Mm. Right? What if I can't? So what does that mean? You know, who do I have to answer to? What are my friends going to think of me? What are my family going to think of me? What are my children going to think of me? what am I going to think of myself? You know, somewhere along the line, we, we our biology, right, we're, we're hardwired. We have fight or flight inside of us for a reason because once upon a time when we were hunter-gatherers living out in the plains, we had to assess the environment really quickly to assess if we could be here or not because we're competing with the conditions, we're competing with wildlife, all those types of things. So there's a biological reason for that. And We've evolved so much now, you know, societally, we don't need it. Most of our day-to-day challenges are not life or death challenges that our ancestors had thousands of years ago. And so we so hardwired ourselves to start to 
take apart and focus in on the minutia of what doesn't work, what doesn't seem to work, as opposed to, <clears throat> to celebrating all that's working every day. And then when we look back at our beliefs, most of these beliefs come from that minutia about the things that aren't working, the, the, the little thing. And then circling back around to what we had said before, we extrapolate from all the evidence that we've taken when we have our, our goggles on and we're in our tunnel vision to help us create that reality. You know, our reality goes into the stew. We stir it around. We add some sugar and spice, and we get whatever it is we were trying to cook that day. Now, most of us, you know, to your point, what you made a little bit ago, most of us aren't going to be aware of even what that is that we're adding into it. We're just trying to follow a recipe that, we, that makes sense to us because it's a recipe we've used for a long time. And for some of us, it's a recipe that was passed down from our parents, you know, a guardian, kind of like me. I had a recipe for insomnia that was passed down from not mm-hmm. generationally, my grandma, my mom, my aunts, everybody else. So I was expected to be a master chef of insomnia. Mm. What are the first steps for people to get out of this or even to realize that that, I mean, you know, we see evidence you guys that are listening, you know, we see in our businesses, we see people dropping off. We see no's. We see people who don't pick up our phone calls. We see that, you know, we're stuck for a year and a half at the same place. Our business isn't growing. Those are all, you know, outcomes and results. So, Jesse, how do we even begin to get this shifted? Like, you know, how mm-hmm. do we, where, what do we do? Like, you know, sing a happy dance and beat a drum and run around in the moonlight? I mean, like, what do we do? <laughs> Actually, that works. Do. <laughs> <laughs> that really does work. <laughs> that, that actually really does work. And I'll, I'll tell you why. <laughs> That's funny. Each and every one of us, without even going into psychology, without even going into emotional psychology, without even getting into our belief systems, anything like that, each and every one of us here on this call has three things at our disposal, you know, three tools that we can utilize right away to help us shift from wherever we're at mentally, emotionally, into wherever we want to be. And that can entail going out and beating the drum, running around the moonlight. And those three things are, one, we all have our physiology, right? If everybody does, one, does something for me right now, just, just whether you're standing or sitting or whatever it is, just try to slouch down. Just try to slouch down and, and <clears throat> just notice how that feels, just slouching down. And while you're slouched, try to smile and notice how that smile feels. And I bet you the smile feels maybe a little bit more artificial. It feels, quote, unquote, forced, all those types of things, right? Now, shake your shoulders out a little bit. Sit up as tall as you can or stand up as tall as you can. If you're not sure, if you're unsure of if you're in your best posture, think of somebody who inspires you, who you look up to, and allow that image, that, that thought of that person, adjust your posture appropriately. That will pull you into your more inspired, more empowered posture. Once you're in this posture, try to frown. And you'll find that if you're in your best posture, it's literally physiologically impossible to frown. So physiology, shifting our physiology, just sitting up in a good posture, just standing up in a good posture is going to shift you emotionally and mentally right away. Two, the second part of that is what we focus on. 
right? That exercise is just moving our posture so effective because now we're focused on our posture versus the problem. So all of us can shift our focus. Most of our problems perpetuate because we start to focus on our problems. We don't focus on solutions. Somebody says no to us the first time and we start to think about, oh my God, they said no, what does this mean? I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. I'm not going to be able to put food on the table. I'm not going to be able to pay my mortgage. Well, what? instead of focusing on solutions, okay, they said no, what do I need to do now to help bring them on board? Where do I need to shift my focus in my business to get to the next person who's going to say yes? So we focus on our problems, so that's our problems perpetuate. So those are the first two. We have our physiology, we have our focus. The third thing is, is the language, the language we use. Again, most of our problems perpetuate because not only are we focusing on them, <clears throat> but we language our, our, you know, to use what your analogy, the junk in the trunk in such a way that makes it much more prevalent. We language our problems to have them be the forefront of our life, right? It's, it's like there's this, this membership to the Ain't It Awful Club. Right? Oh, Anybody God. who's ever gone to a water cooler discussion in, a, in, a, in an office, what do you do there? Everybody sits there and gossips and, and complains and whatnot. It's this competition, right? Whose problems are bigger than the other person's problems? And so we start to commiserate. We use language about somebody says no. We all know what language we use around that. Oh, man, what does this mean? We start telling ourselves stories about it. We choose to ask ourselves questions about why it won't work instead of asking ourselves questions like how it can work. So when we look at language, it's the stories we tell ourselves, and it's the questions we ask ourselves. So you employ any of those three things right away. Anytime you find yourself in an emotional state, in a thought pattern you don't want to be in, you do something to shift your physiology – whether it's standing up straight, sitting up straight, where it's dropping and doing push-ups, jogging in place, or grabbing your drums and running out into the moonlight and beating them like a madman or a madwoman, <laughs> whether it is, it is changing your focus and instead, instead of focusing on whatever it is that's bringing you down, focus on something that lifts you up. You know, the, the smile of your kids, the laughter of a child's voice, throwing on YouTube and putting on a video that inspires you, that lifts you up, or it's your language changing the story really quick. You know, instead of it being a story of, well, I can't, now what? It becoming a story of, if I could, then what would I do? Mm. All of us have those three things at our disposal. That's really amazing. So between that and hearing about the no thing, you guys, that I'm just like totally like blown away. Um, let me think of, I'm thinking about before, we get into um, the next thing. I'm thinking, uh, you know, is fear of rejection be, is, is all a part of this as well? You know, people are afraid of hearing even no to begin with. Or when they, once they work with that whole no thing and they re, reposition that and have a different perspective on it, does that fear of rejection kind of subside or is it deeper than that? Yeah, rejection. So rejection is more of a surface thing for the fear of I won't be enough. Mm. And then that, in that fear of I won't be enough, fear of rejection, fear of failure, all those things kind of get lumped in there. Mm. And what we'll typically do is we'll choose, we'll choose a word that best articulates what we liken it to. So you mentioned a little bit ago, Jen, about how we – we kind of romanticize the things. And I, I think that's such an excellent description of it because think about our earliest, our earliest associations to rejection, right? In childhood, we're rejected when we're not picked first for the team or we're picked last, wherever we're picked. We're rejected because 
someone says no when we ask them out or somebody never asks us out or somebody breaks up with us. So we, we, we have already this huge emotion associated to rejection. And we use the exact same word when somebody tells us no, they've rejected me, as we'll use when we're not asked, when we get told no, when we get broken up with. Think about the emotion that's attached to that word that comes into that. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, think about it. If, <clears throat> if I were to have an apple and I said, here, try this apple. It's, it's really good. Versus if I said, here, I have this apple. It is the most orgasmic tasting apple you've ever had in your life. Which apple do you want to eat? Uh, that one. Right. Yeah, you're going for you're going for the big old apple, right? <laughs> Who doesn't need more orgasms? <laughs> yeah, it's exactly because we have we have different emotion attached to that. We have the the word it's, it has different meaning to it, and so when we start to put the word like rejection, we have a really intense meaning to it. You know, if somebody says no, don't say you're rejected. If somebody says no, just say okay, cool, next, next. Because think about how much time you just freed up with not having to do it. See, most of us, we bring the no's because there are, there's going to be people that are going to say no. So we could talk sales psychology all we want, and whenever I teach sales psychology, the first thing I always tell people is say, I'm going to help you increase this, this, and this, and please know you're still going to hear no's, and those are going to be hard, firm no's. Mm-hmm. And those no's doesn't, do not necessarily mean that they won't come back. I would say every year I have probably, you know, 15, 15% of new business I bring in are from people who told me a hard, firm no a year or two before. Mm. That's why I say so, that fortune's in the follow-up. Yeah, and that's why it's, it's a, you, nurture your, you nurture your relationships. Keep talking with your leads. Keep them on point. You know, keep engaged with them, whatever that is, because it is the fortune's in the follow-up. But if we acknowledge those no's instead of us saying it's a no's or rejection, we just say no's and next. God, that's powerful. Because then it's what really, we do is yeah. we don't have to bring in all the, our, our junk, all of our emotional crap into the scenario. Uh, I'm waiting for the seminar, Jesse. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> you know, I'm, I have a lot of analytical pieces in my brain, and I know many people that listen here. And for me to hear the statistics, it gets me, like, really excited because I'm a numbers person, you know, in the personality traits. I'm very, very analytical. I love hearing this, these numbers because it's almost like, you know, we're not a victim of, you know, the circumstance, you guys, it's like there, there's hard facts. This is the way it is, and it's, this is what it really means. Like you're getting like the brass tacks, and now you can understand uh, from a different perspective when you hear a no or when you do your follow-up, why it's so important to follow up. Or if you're having a bad run of things, go back to the three things and sit up straight, change your thoughts, change your focus, and change your words. You know, it's gonna you're you're gonna shift. Oh, I'm so excited, Jesse. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I like it so good. Oh man. Well, um, let's uh, shift over to um, 
we're going to shift over into some questions. But before we get there, because if anybody needs to, to go, let's send them to – you've got a happiness guide, which I know is really awesome. Um, they can go to your website. You got, you got your pen. Pull it out. It's jessiebrizendine.com. And I'm going to spell it for you, so don't worry. I'm going to spell it like twice. Um, it's Jesse, J-E-S-S-E, as in Sam, Sam, okay? J-E-S-S-E, B as in boy, R as in rocket, I-S as in Sam, E-N-D-I-N-E.com, okay? JesseBrizendine.com, J-E-S-S-E-B-R-I-S-E-N-D-I-N-E.com. And you go right there, you'll see where it says, Get the happiness guide, put the email in there, and you can get that from Jesse, and then he'll keep in touch with you what's going on. Um, he's got Facebook page. Um, you can get over to Facebook and find him there too. Just search him. You'll find him, and you can follow him on his page as well. Um, but let's do – okay, let me move over here to this thing. Um, gosh, there's a lot of people on here. Um, okay, so are you, do you want to take some questions, Jesse? you feeling it? Yeah, absolutely. That would be great. All right, so those of you who feel like there's – what did you say earlier, Jesse? You said something about um, that we're the only one in the world that has this issue, like we're just so stuck that we're the exception, not the rule, or something like that. So, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so if you feel like you would like a little help, um, go ahead and hit star six, and let's see how that shows up here on my end because I – this is a new um, – I'm on the Q&A mode, so hit star six if you want to be um, talking to Jesse. I feel like we're on the radio. We should be wearing, like, a big microphone. If you would like to have all your problems. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's see who we got. Um, who is this, 802673? Who is this? Camelia. Hello there. How are you? Good. How are you? Thank you so much. You're awesome. So different. Thank well you. Yeah, wasn't this amazing? Holy smokes. <laughs> it just keeps getting better and better, and I have invited some folks. And this is really um, great because one of the things that um, comes up, and I'm wondering if Jesse has any feedback on it, is that in the area of fear, and not of anything scary, but even dealing with the psychology, the fear of success. That's if you know the right thing to do, you're ready to do it, and you're going to make that call, you're going to do that thing, but those little things that come in your stomach, those same kind of physiological uh, reactors that come that actually still stop people from moving forward, not because they're going to fail, but because it's hard to embrace or to get past that element of fear of getting there that it could happen. Does that make sense? You know, it's kind of the same thing but a little different angle and how to move past some of that it kind of causes a, a, um, a delay, a, a, a kind of becomes this stagnant thing to know what to do, but to feel like you have the lead in your feet when you want to move forward, that same thing that fear does, but only towards success. Yes, I, great question, and I'm so grateful you asked it the way you asked it. And can I, can I answer it with a little bit of a story? Absolutely, we like stories. <laughs> okay, <laughs> this is going to be story time, so pull up your chairs, kitties. <laughs> right. Once upon a time, once upon a time in <clears throat> back in the gosh, this must have been 
the 60s are so over in England. So, you know, the Beatles had just taken off. They were a huge, obviously huge, huge, huge success. And there was another British artist, a solo artist, who had, at the time of this, this the most popular song playing on the radio. The British, British radio was playing this all the time. It was a huge number one hit. So some uh, <clears throat> concert organizers and collaborators and such got together, and they said, we've got to put this guy on a stage. I mean, he, he's hot right now. We can make a ton of money off of him. We got to get him up here. So they get this guy and they say, hey, we, we're going to book this venue for you. You're going to do the show. And he says, okay, you know, I, I love my music. I'll definitely do it. Shows up at the concert venue. He's backstage. And he peeks out there and he sees that there's literally like 30,000, 40,000 screaming fans on their feet, chanting his name, going crazy. People are backstage. They're fired up. They're, oh, my God, we're going to make so much money. This is huge. They're already eating this up. He hasn't even gone on there. Somebody looks over and sees the guy in the corner basically doubled over, hands on his stomach, face completely pale and ashen color. And somebody goes, oh, and says, hey, man, what's going on? You know, what, what, what's the deal? And he said, I, I don't know. I have, I have this feeling in the pit of my stomach similar to the feeling you just described. And he said, I, just, I have this feeling, and I, I just, I've never felt this intense feeling before. I don't, know, I don't know if I can do this. And the guy says, well, you know, man, I'm sorry, but I, I don't know what to tell you. You've got to go on. And they basically shove this guy on stage. He gets this rousing ovation. He plays his set. The crowd loves it. They give him a standing ovation. He, they call him back for an encore. He ends up doing like three or four encores that night. They go backstage, and everybody's jumping up and down, celebrating. Oh, my God, this is amazing. We've got to book more shows. He's hot right now. We've got to capitalize. Somebody looks over, and he's in the corner, again, doubled over. And they said, man, that was amazing. You were so great. You were so, and he puts his hand up and he stops and he says, I will never do that again. They, what do you mean? They love you. I will never do that again. He said, that feeling I felt before I went out there, that intense feeling I felt, I don't ever want to feel that feeling again. It was too uncomfortable for me. I'll never do it again. True story. That guy never performed another show. Mm. He released one other album, I think, after his initial one that was not nearly as successful as that one. And that guy, I call him that guy because his name kind of slipped away into the, in the, the storytelling because around the same time, there was this other guy named Bruce Springsteen that some of you may have heard his name before. And he was coming up into the, you know, he was doing the, what is it, the kind of fair circuit, playing at the different fairs and different venues. And he's getting hot. You know, people are starting, he's getting a following. And so some people get together and they say, you know, the Springsteen guy, we need to give him a shot at the big time. <clears throat> so they, they, they collaborate, they get together. They book out this venue, and Bruce shows up, and he peers out to the audience, and he sees this group of people, 30,000, 40,000 people, jumping up and down, screaming, yelling his name. The people backstage is bustling, and everybody's excited. They're getting ready to go. They know this is going to be a hit. Somebody looks over the corner, and they see Bruce, doubled over, hands hmm. on his stomach, all the color out of his face. Somebody goes over to him and says, Bruce, Bruce, what's going on? And he says, I, I don't know. He said, I got this feeling, and he's kind of rubbing his belly. He's got, I got this feeling in the pit of my stomach that I've never felt before. It's this intense feeling, and I, I don't know. I almost feel sick to my stomach. He's, I don't know if I can go on. Somebody looks at him and says, hey, Bruce, you know, I, I, I feel for you, man, but there are people are here. You've got to go, and they basically shove him on stage. Bruce goes out. He performs, and, you know, if any of you have ever seen Bruce perform, which I've been privileged enough to do, he gives and puts on an amazing show. The crowd goes nuts. They cheer. They yell. They scream. 
Bruce does an encore. He ends up doing three or four encores. He goes backstage and everybody's jumping up and down. Oh my God, that was amazing. That was unreal. We're going to make so much money. We've got to book out more shows. Somebody looks over, they see Bruce in the corner, quietly there, kind of still huddled to himself. And they go over and say, Bruce, Bruce, my God, you were amazing. We, you know, you were so phenomenal. And Bruce puts up his hand and he stops and he says, that was the most amazing experience of my life. He said, before I went out there, I got this feeling in the pit of my stomach that I was so, that I'd never felt before. And he said, the only word I had to describe it was fear. Because my heart was racing, I had the butterflies, and it was at this intense level. But he said, knowing that what I just experienced now, I now know what I experienced wasn't fear, but it was purpose. Mm. Bruce Springsteen still today, you know, and how long has he been playing? How many thousands of shows has he played all over the world? It's still synonymous with getting the same feeling before he goes out on stage. Mm. So to answer your question is sometimes those feelings we get, we mislabel them with fear. And then what happens is we bring the emotion of quote unquote fear with it. If you were scared by a Jaws as a little kid and you're fearful of sharks, you're fearful of going in the water, and you bring that emotion into it because it's the same word, now you're not just up against somebody saying no or your business growing or being successful. Now you're fighting Jaws. Mm. But what Bruce was so, uh, was so studious to recognize was an emotion that special, that unique, that powerful – that doesn't come along every day, that only comes around in really unique, special situations. It's because he was doing and realizing his talents, his purpose, his God-given reason for being put on this earth, and he was able to celebrate it and acknowledge it for what it really was. Not fear. Mm. He wasn't afraid to go in the water. He wasn't afraid of heights. But it was for purpose. Wow, and he used that to fuel himself to go forward. And he still does it today. Mm. That's what's really amazing about it. He still does it today. Feeling. I, when I teach, when I, I have a, one of my live events I teach, I have this story I tell about, you know, tapping into purpose and motivation and about how we can have emotional triggers. I, I, even right now I'm starting to get goosebumps because I know what story I would tell. Mm. I still have that powerful of a physiological response. I told that story about myself hundreds of times to I don't know how many thousands of people. I still get that same physiological response because it's that powerful in me. And so for those of you who are getting those butterflies, you know, and the irony of it too is, think about this, the irony of it too is we say butterflies. How many of us are really afraid of butterflies? Right. <laughs> 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 I mean, they're one of the probably most beautiful creatures on there. Most of us are going, ooh and ah. I have yet to meet, you know, I, I don't meet a lot of people that are afraid of butterflies, but we'll look at the butterflies as being fear. It, it, it's often, it's just, it's a misinterpretation. Butterflies mm. are usually purpose. And butterflies, mm. what happens is butterflies have to go through the cocoon process for them to spread their wings yeah. and get out of the world. Oftentimes yeah. we have to confront that feeling and acknowledge for what it really is to allow ourselves to soar. Mm. Excellent. Excellent. Yes, great. Wow. Yeah. Good one. Great response. (laughs) Yeah, that was like, it feels like it was set up, but it wasn't. It was totally. (laughs) (laughs) Just the the 
wise man. <laughs> wow, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll PayPal you the money for the question later. It's wonderful to go to my team members who I wanted to be here there because that happens. And I've known people who have mislabeled that, and from now on, it's going to be relabeled. And I will purpose to share that then to help people uh, to point direction to label it, overcome it, put the correct emotions with it, and a song. So I like to sing and put a happy song that will go with it to help people to reach their goals. So thank you so much. Yeah, oh, you're very welcome. Powerful. Thank you for the question. That was that was a great question. Wow, that was really powerful. Thank you for that question. I've got um, two more. Oops, I hit the wrong button. I got two more that we're going to take um, so that we can wrap up that are in the queue. So if you're beyond these next two, I really apologize. I'm going to go to Jane. Let's see. Let's open that line. Let's see if she's open here. Where'd she go? I just hit hit. Okay, Jane, are you there? Yes, I'm here. All right, you are now live. You can ask uh, Jesse your question. Okay, here we go. And thank you for, for letting me ask this question. I am finding my bearings now, but I've learned what my problem is. And my problem is that when I start to talk to people, I'm so excited. I've got like a fire hose. And I think... I think that just scares people. So help me to figure out steps so that I can keep myself in control and answering and figuring out what information they want to hear. Versus verbal vomit. <laughs> verbal yes. blah, blah, is like, oh, yes, Jane, I really like to know information, more information. You're like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> well, And the problem is typically when you do that, those are none of the um, the questions to which they're seeking answers, or those are, those aren't the answers that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And so I I know I have to find out what do you know and what do you want to know, but you know why shouldn't I buy my product at Walmart? <laughs> right, right. Hey Jesse, you want to take this one? I don't think I disconnected you. No, I you, Jane. J- Jane and Jen, I'm so sorry. I, I hit the off button by accident. So, I, Jane, I just heard the first words you said, and then it cut out. She, um, she gets so excited when somebody asks her about the company. She just goes into, you know, she just starts to verbal, verbal go, you know, just talk, 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 and she never really gets to what they're looking for. She, she would like some guidance on how maybe she could moderate herself so that she can – gain her groundedness and her self-composure so she can really dial in and serve that person. That's, that's exactly what I said. That, that is a fantastic question. And, and one, I can, I can appreciate it as I have been known to be more verbose and long-winded sometimes in talking because I get so excited to talk about stuff. And I get so excited to talk about people and, and, and what they want to work on. So a few things that helps me, Jane, that I think I would suggest for you to do is, number one, anytime you go into meeting with somebody, talking with somebody, especially if it's, you know, it's like a planned meeting or something like that, always remind yourself of why you're going in there and what the bigger why is, right, what the bigger why is. So for me, my, my biggest why for me is I want to empower people to live their happy, happiest, healthiest, and most fulfilling life. 
Mm-hmm. And then once I connect to that, I'm going to ask myself, how, do, how am I going to do that today? How am I going to do that today? And again, I want to try to get deep to that for myself, just before I even do that. Because what, the reason why I do that is <clears throat> if I don't connect to that, it's really easy for me to stay more on the surface stuff, the exciting stuff, all the cool opportunities, all those things. But I know that I need to get deeper with them to start connecting mm-hmm. with them on a deeper level, right? Absolutely. And, and, and so doing just those two things alone will help me kind of condense down what I'm going to say and then how I'm going to say it too. Another thing that's really helpful is just, I mean, you know, people talk about an elevator speech. I, I think there's some, there's some value in that. I think what's most important is to kind of have our, our bullet points in place about what our two or three most favorite things are about the company, about what excites us, if, if they're applicable to the other person. The reason I say that is because what lights our fire, what stokes our fire may not be the same for somebody else, which this could be helpful too, is spend a few minutes doing some research on the person you're going to meet with or the organization you're going to meet with. If you're meeting with a friend, a family member, an individual, one of the worst things we can assume is to assume that we know them so well. You know, go on their Facebook page and and see some of the things that they're talking about, some of the things they're engaging in in social media. And then whatever it seems to, whatever that seems to be more prominent or important to them, then you can frame a lot of your presentation around that. Because it, it, we don't need a lot of stuff to connect with somebody. We're always looking for that one key thing, that one key thing in sales where we can connect, we can identify, we can build rapport, and then we can start to transition into. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. Is that helpful? It's perfect. It's perfect. Thank you. Thanks so much for your time. It was a wonderful call, too. I really appreciate that um, you gave us your time. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Thank you for the question. It's a great question. Good night. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jane. That was amazing. I'm going to go ahead and mute here, and I'm going to take one more with Keith. I don't know if it's Keith on the line or somebody else is on his phone, but let me go ahead and open his line up. Alrighty, come on, let me pick that line. Okay, hello, your line is open. Hello. What's well, not Keith? But it oh, must no. be the, the other part. <laughs> the other Keith's half. Wife. <laughs> Keith's we other both, half. <laughs> yeah, we were both listening to this uh, together, and I am so I'm just so thankful because uh, you know I I was feeling stuck. I was feeling stuck, and so this was just, it just revitalized um, me, you know, when you were telling us what to do. I was actually doing some of those things. But anyway, I do have a question, or I, my question is, have you, have you ever had to, um, someone to say to you, you know, I really like, um, I really like the, uh, the product, what I'm doing, but I really don't think I like people very much. Oh, uh, good one. You know, what can, what, what can we say in response to something like that? I'm not social. Or I'm not social or, mm-hmm. no, but I really don't like people. I don't think mm-hmm. I like people that much. Yes, that's a good one. I've heard that a ton. I love the product. I really want to even make a business, but I don't like people. 
or yes, absolutely. That's so good. Thank you for asking that, Jesse. Please, this one is so good. <laughs> I've heard. I don't yeah. even know. Yeah, go ahead. Keith's wife. Great question. <laughs> Thank you, Bertha. Bertha. My name is Bertha. I'm sorry. Great question. Great question. So, one of the one of the obstacles that people will face in in working through their own stuff is generalizations, right? We will say things like, "Well, I've talked to everyone. I don't like people. Nothing works for me." all those things. And we all know that we can respectfully call BS on that because there's, there's going to be one-offs for everything. And when we have a one-off in something like this, it allows the house of cards to crumble. So if I were to be talking to somebody and they say, I love the product, which is awesome because that's usually the harder thing, right? When somebody loves the product, we don't even have to get that. When they say, I don't like people, I would say, I would, depending on what level of rapport I have with a person, I'm going to do one of two approaches. If I'm, if I have really good rapport with them, if we're kind of vibing well, if I feel like we're clicking, I would say something like, "Oh, you know, that's totally fair. There's some people I can't freaking stand," and I would, you know, I would choose my language based off the situation. You know, I might use some more colorful language too. And then I would say, "But you know what? There are some people that I really do like. I really care about. Do you have any of those people in your life?" No. If I don't have that level of rapport with them to where I could be empathetic with it, I just might say, okay, you know, I, I totally respect that. Are there some people in your life you do like? Mm. You know, and, right? And every single one of those people, whether they have a, a, a parent, a child, a, a grocery clerk, a mailman, whoever it is, they all are going to have at least one person. Now, they might want to follow up with that and say, well, I'm not going to sell to that person or it's not relevant. Whatever they say afterwards, it doesn't matter. What matters is you have now broken through, and you've right. allowed them to collapse that story, which means it no longer has the same power it did before. Mm. Does that make sense? Thank, yes, it does. Thank you very much so. You're very, very welcome. Much. Great question. That was an awesome question. Uh, oh. Yes. You guys are awesome. Well, thank you so much for asking, Bertha. And let me mute you. And uh, let's see. I got... Let's do one more, and then we'll be done. Okay, Jesse? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, all right. Let me open the line. It says Vita Main. So let's see who this is. Hello, you're open on the line. Oh, wow. Hi, I'm so excited I got you. I was crazy about that. And I'm like, oh, we got it. Yay. So, um, you, is, it, is it Vita? Is that your first name? or? Yes, yes. You said it perfectly. Thank you so Perfect. Much. Okay, good. <laughs> well, go ahead. So, what's, what's on your mind? Okay, my question is, I, um, well, I really could relate to something you were talking about earlier, that you had a fear of heights, and you said um, that Jesse helped you. And I, um, about two and a half years ago, and it was right about the same time I started my um, Young Living business, um, I was driving on the freeway, and I was getting ready to go to a very um, important um, meeting to discuss some very, you know, important, very important issues, like a counseling-type session. And I'm on the freeway, and all of a sudden, I couldn't feel my hands or feet, and I started to get all sweaty, and I had to get off the freeway, like, immediately. And ever since then, and, and I went to this counseling session, and I found out that that was what a panic attack is. And I've never had one in my life um, before that. And ever since then, I haven't been able to drive on the freeway. It's just been, like, debilitating, and it's really getting hard because my business is growing. I 
have I got to, I have a lot of team leaders, people I'm I'm getting invited to go to vendor events all over town and farther places. And um I've been having my husband drive me places and it's just really I really want to get over this fear and I don't know what it is and why it's happening, but I just want it to stop. And I I thought if you could give me one pointer or maybe there's someone else listening on the line, maybe a pointer or two to help me like get over this because I really, really, really want to get over it because it's just I'm so done with it because it is kind of impacting my business a little bit. Mm-hmm. When, when your husband drives you places, does he drive on the freeway? Yes. So you're, you're fine going on the freeway with other people? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. For the most part, yes. Yeah, you're, oh, yeah, that's no, that's no problem at all. Other than wanting to kind of be a backseat driver and say, oh, slow down or whatever. <laughs> no, but I don't so think you're actually, when, when somebody else is driving, you're even more involved in the driving process than you would be if you were just driving by yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah. Although, yeah, I used to drive by myself and listen to the radio and then to think about what I was going to do when I got to, I, I didn't really, it was kind of like, I just, you know, secondhand, dry, you know, second nature, mm-hmm. driving second nature. <clears throat> and so when that happened on the freeway, what were you thinking about right before that happened? Probably what we were going to be discussing at the meeting I was getting ready to go to. And what was that, what was that thought? Um, oh, God. It was, I don't know the exact thought, but, it, you know, there were some uncomfortable things to be discussed, and I can't remember the exact thought. Maybe it was just like, I I don't know, maybe I was just, I didn't really want to go to the meeting. Like, I didn't want to deal with what I had to go talk about. And <laughs> when you had your, it. yeah, and so when you had your panic attack, and then you went to the meeting, did the panic attack take, more precedent over what you were originally going to talk about at the meeting? Um, maybe when I was on, um, yeah, I think so. I probably stopped thought, thinking about what I was going to be talking about, and I was more co- concerned about getting off the freeway because I really thought I was going to crash or someone was going to crash into me. <clears throat> so a few things. And, I, I mean, I'd, I'd have to dive a little deeper with you, but my gut response, my gut thought is this. So panic attacks are typically, it's not this, like, for most people, and I've worked with a number of people over the years who have had panic attacks. Most people, we have panic attacks because we go through certain processes, right? And with with a panic attack, there's a payoff that's attached to it, right? We, we, We get something, there's only some sort of kind of side benefit that we get. It doesn't seem like it at the time, but there is. When you have something on your mind that is really prevalent, is really disconcerting or something that we want to avoid and it doesn't seem like how we can avoid it. It's amazing what we can actually do to try to avoid it. People will create scenarios. People will, will go all through all these things. Whatnot. I'm not saying you consciously suggesting that you consciously create that. What I am suggesting though is, is that there is an p- immediate payoff for you from a panic attack, right? You had this thing come on. You're able to go to the meeting. It dissipated some of the emotional energy that you were already putting into it. And it kind of swept under the rug some of the intensity that might have been in the meeting for you otherwise, right? I think that's pretty right on. Because, yeah, the, yeah um, I wasn't looking forward to the discussion. And it was like a big deal, like a, a kind of a big deal, scary, scary discussion to me to have to deal with something. And 
I guess I don't know if that's why I had the panic attack, but I didn't. I wasn't thinking about that anymore as I was driving to the meeting as I was having yeah. a panic attack. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> I mean, most people, most people, they'll be stressed out of their mind about bills they pay or sales calls they have to make until the gun's put to their head, and then they don't even think about those things. Those things seem inconsequential then at that time. Right. No, this right. It was kind of like all that this huge relief, like, like stress or emotional relief from the panic attack, and then going to the meeting. That that was like nothing to get yeah. through. So <clears throat> my. But but now the thing is, every time I get on the freeway, I get I get. I get this um, a panic. I I I get a panic attack, and it's, I think it's because I think I just don't want to have that feeling again. But I, I bring it on myself. I think. So in in so you get a panic attack when your husband's driving? No, just when I'm okay, driving. Okay, so let me let me let me pause you for a second. Just everybody who's still listening, remember the 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 previous question we talked about generalizations. Right, one of the biggest obstacles we'll have to change is generalizations. Would you hear what she said? Every time I get on the freeway. Oh. Right. right? Now, right. you know for absolute certainty, and you have 120 witnesses on here who all back me up on this or how many people on the call, that it's not every time because you can get on there with your husband. And, in fact, when you're on your, your, your husband, not only are you fine, you're even more involved. Wow. Isn't that crazy how our it, mind will do that? I have to say, I, so only when I get on, when I get on the freeway. And I'm willing to bet if we pulled our magnifying glass out and we looked at this even closer, <clears throat> it's not only when you get on the freeway, it's when you're getting on the freeway and there's certain conditions that have to be met. So when you get on the freeway and, and it's a comma and, you're thinking about, you're focusing on certain things. Remember we mm-hmm. talked about those three forces a little bit ago. I'm willing to bet that when that comes up and the panic attack happens, it's not just because you're getting on the freeway, it's because you're physiologically, you're putting yourself in a posture that's going to support, support a panic attack. You're uh, focusing on stuff around a panic attack and the language you're using, the questions you're asking, right? What happens if I go again and I, I run into somebody? Mm-hmm. That all goes into it. Now, you're, you're a kind, you're a courteous person. Obviously, you don't want to hurt anyone, nor do you want to hurt yourself. But you're, there's, what I'm betting is there's all this stuff happening around it that's happening at an unconscious level that goes into this. You remember what Jen was saying earlier on? Most people aren't aware about the layers because it's happening unconscious, and our unconscious brain is like processing information at literally a speed of a million times faster than our conscious mind can. So our conscious mind is kind of like that, oh, panic attack. Meanwhile, there's millions and millions of things happening that goes into that. And those are the things that are really going to cause a panic attack. So it's not the freeway. It's all that you're doing leading up to that. What I'd be curious to, for, for you to try out okay. is, is and, we'll, and do, this, do this two ways just so you can feel safe. Have your husband take you to a, take a time when you can drive where there's not a lot of people on the road. It's not busy and you have you know, fairly favorable driving conditions. I wouldn't pick the winter when the road's icy right. to be your first time to test this. Okay. And what I would do is pick a place, too, that you're familiar with where there's another off-ramp, mm-hmm. you know, a half a mile up the road. So you're only on it. You only have to tra- test this out for a half a mile. Okay. Before you do this, I want you to do a few things. One, I want you to have 
a song on standby at your disposal that you can listen to before you do it that will you know, get you energized, get you really motivated, inspires you, whatever that song is. Okay. Your husband's going to be in the car so you know it's safe that if something okay. were to happen, he's there. There's nobody on the road. You, have, you can ease all those worries, all those fears. And okay. then I want you to use those three things that we talked about. I want you to physiologically put yourself in a more empowered position. Okay, so okay. use exactly what I told you before. If you were to think about somebody who inspires you, what posture is that? Okay. Next, I want you to decide what you are going to focus on. Focus on the people that you can serve through your business, right? Your business is right. growing. You have people out there that need your help. You're doing this not anymore for just yourself. You're doing it for all of them. Think about their families. Think about their, their businesses. Think about their homes that you have. You literally at your fingertips have the ability to help those people get that. Okay. Right? And then, and then language it in such a way. Language in a way that empowers you. Language it in a way that, that, and if you feel yourself starting to ask a what if question, ask that what if question instead of it saying, well, what if something happens? What if something does happen? You know, then you deal with it. Right. And you know and that you have I, that ability to do I, it. And, and, I, and if I make it to half mile, then I can make it another half mile. Exactly. What if, it, what if something happens? What if you make it? What if I make it? Well, what if I make it there? What if I make, it means I can make it a mile? What if it means I can make it five? What if it means I can start going and helping these people grow their business? What if it means that all these people who are, who are their business is going to depend on me, their livelihood is going to be directly influenced by me? What, is, what if I can get to them and help them grow their businesses? That sounds so exciting. I can't wait to do this because I really want to do that. Um, right now, I've just putting off some big meetings with some people that are like a two-hour drive away from me just because I, well, I, my husband would do it, but he's like, he really wants me to do it. You know, that has to depend on him. But, yeah, yeah no, I'm excited. If he's going to drive that long, he could, he could drive for Uber. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, I appreciate yeah, so your time. Play around with that and let me know how it goes. Okay, and how can I do it? Do you have an, e an email or can I tell you on your website somewhere? Yeah, you can just go on the website and then there will be a, a link on there to contact me and I'm the one that reads the emails that come through there. Oh, awesome, Jesse. Okay, that sounds good. I really appreciate it. I, was, um, was, I actually wasn't sure if I wanted to ask the question because I didn't know if it was relevant, relevant to everybody else, but I think a lot of people do have fears in different ways, so I, I hope it helps other people in some way too. You know, it's a really powerful question. It was a really, really good question, and it, and it shows, too, like, and especially to see people, for people to be able to listen to you work out in real time, and it was such a great follow-up because we talked about generalizations right before that, and then there was a, the mother of all generalizations right there. Okay. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're very welcome. Yes, thank you, Vita, for asking. I'm going to go ahead and mute you up. All right. Wow. Well, that's it. No more questions, you guys. We love you, but we just have to wrap it up or we go till tomorrow morning, which Jesse doesn't need the sleep, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much, Jesse, for coming and sharing. There are so many amazing nuggets, and I know people that are even listening to this, and there's still like a lot of people that are still here, even though we've gone a little longer. Um, this will be something – I know they're going to want to share with their teams. And for those of you listening to this recording, 
or you find the recording, make sure you share this with other people because there is great knowledge in here. And again, you can find out more about Jesse. Just go to his website, jessebrizendine.com, and get his happiness guide. You can poke around at all the things that he does, and he's done some really cool, amazing things. And uh, any last words, Jesse, that you want to leave everybody with before we adjourn? Yeah, I, I, first of all, I just want to say thank you, Jen. Not, I, you have, seems like you have a really great group. I, the, some of the questions that were asked were some of the best, most engaging questions I've been asked from doing presentations. So I, I really appreciate and am grateful for you to, you know, to share, give me this opportunity to speak with your people. And I, 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 I love your enthusiasm and your excitement through the whole process of it, and I really appreciate it. It made it, it, made it all the more fun for me. Uh, to everybody listening who's still here, I, I appreciate so much your time and your energy for being here, and, and I, I hope it's been of value to you. And, you know, remember, again, remember that one of the, the universal things with all humans is uh, we, we make this mistake sometimes of thinking that, that our emotions are out of our control, that we're almost a slave to our emotions, and there's these, these things that happen, and, and quite honestly, nothing could be further from the truth. If you want to have full power and control over your life and your destiny, you know, make it your mission to become the master of your emotions. Because the person who's the master of their emotions is always going to have better, better relationships, better success at work, better fitness, you know, you name it, there's going to be a better in front of it than the person who elects to be a slave to their emotions. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they don't teach us that in school, but if I could leave you with that, it is really that is that you hold in your hands the, 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 the keys, the power to become a master of your emotions. And if you, if you make it part of your mission to do that, you will find your life transform in ways that some of us can't even dream were possible. And again, thank you everybody for your time and attention tonight. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Okay. Let me go ahead. There's, like I said, there's still a ton of people here. Let me go ahead and open the line so that they can say goodnight to you. Hang on, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jen. You're welcome. Happy New Year's, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you.